Welcome to C-Suite Radio. The Open Mic Podcast is brought to you by the Cheap Seat Entertainment Network. Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Excellent! With your host, Brad Allen. Well, isn't that extra special? Recorded live at Bay Area Studios. Join Brett each week as he interviews celebrities, influencers, authors, high-level entrepreneurs, and much more. At the open mic, no topic is off limits. Giddy up. And you never know who may stop by. Now, here's your host, Brett Allen. What's up, everybody? Welcome into your weekend edition of the Open Mic Podcast. On the show today, we have comedian and podcaster... Jackie Cashian. We actually recorded this episode a few months ago when we were deep into lockdown and then I got sick. A lot of things happened and we just couldn't get the episodes out on time. But this is a fun and relevant conversation about comedy during quarantine, Zoom shows, how comedians are surviving, and we just cover a myriad of topics. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And Jackie was the absolute best Jackie Cashian, welcome into the show, my friend. Thanks for having me. I've been a fan for a long time, and recently you popped up on one of my podcasting uh, friends' uh, show, Joel Byers, Hot Breath, and uh, I saw that interview. Yeah, and so I was like, well, I would love to get you on the show, so thank you for doing this. I know we're kind of in a weird time now. We've been talking about this lately. You have a podcast, you're a comic, very successful comic, and you just do a lot. But where are you at in the world right now? Are you pretty much done with lockdown where you're at? What's been going on with you during this quarantine time? Well, um, the last road set I did was in March, like okay. March 14, 15 was um, I was at Bloomington at the Comedy Attic in Indiana. And then, and the week before that, I was in Dayton. And in between those two gigs, I went home and visited my family, which in Milwaukee, uh, outside of Milwaukee. So I, I could not, I feel grateful that I did that because my father is 83 years old, you know, mm-hmm. and he smoked four packs of cigarettes for 40 years. So there's no reason not to go visit the olds in your lives. If you, if you can uh, go look at them, see how they're doing. And I've been, do- I've been doing that for probably five years. Every six months, I'll go stare at my dad. And he's like, you staring at me? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're old. And he's like, I'm not that old. Anyway, so, um, so since then, I've been essentially in quarantine, self, self, uh, self-imposed for the first while, and then and and self-imposed because we don't have any leadership that's telling people to stay in. So Memorial Day has got people moshing and <laughs> comedy clubs are opening up and D.L. Hughley passed out and now has COVID. And um, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. It's so weird. Now, I want to back up a bit because you just said something. I didn't even know that. So D.L. was performing. And he this passed out weekend. on. You're kidding me! Holy cow! Uh, Nashville Zany. So yeah, and he passed out on stage, which is not something, by the way, that is a symptom of COVID. No, but supposedly he has COVID. Now, this uh, feel free to check my sources, which is no. Clear. I trust you. I, I believe me. If anybody Don't trust has a, me, is okay. what I'm saying. Is actually, <laughs> okay. double check this. Is I'm saying to the listener, and uh, and I, you know, I hope. I mean, I know guys that are out there. They're doing they're doing live shows and 
I mean, if you look at what, what uh, what's his name, um, Chappelle did, yes. right? He did it outside. There were probably 30 people there, and they were split up into little groups of the people that they had been. They brought their own food and bev, you know. Most everybody wore masks. The mask just stops you from being a little Petri dish. Mm-hmm. And it stops, I mean, it just, it's just a cloth mask, right? So it's just helpful. You know, you're stopping, you're, you're less likely to get it if you're wearing it. And I, I'm in California where it's now mandatory in public. Yeah, we just uh, got the where notification. I'm in the Bay Area, so we are in the same area. Oh. I didn't realize, I you had mentioned Central or Pacific time, but it didn't click that you were in California. So yeah, we're all mandatory required now to wear masks everywhere we go. If yeah, you decide to leave a house. I got a mask that says uh, vote. I got another mask that is uh, made out of a sock that makes me look like a sock monkey. I got another <laughs> I mask it. that says but her emails. I mean, I like, I'm mixing it up, you guys. Uh, here's the other thing. I'm not going anywhere. I'm lucky enough that uh, I live in a house with a backyard. So I can, I can at least, the house is tiny. The backyard isn't big, but it's out. You know, it's outside. But I, you know, most of the people I know are going for walks and and biking, and you know, we're all and I'm and and I'm stand up wise. I've been doing and I'm, today I'm doing. Um, I'm working on a new album. I signed a contract to do a new album, and it's it'll be four years in between albums. So right now, my new album is way. It's more content than anybody wants. It's an hour and a half. So I might do two albums. <laughs> Now, are you going to, obviously, when it's safe, are you going to go out to a club or a theater to record this? Or what is your intent on getting that new content out? Well, uh, what I'm doing now is I'm just doing it. I'm just doing Zoom shows to run the run, run the bits, right? Gotcha. And um, I'll record with a real, not over Zoom, not over the internet. I'll be recording in a real venue, whatever that is. But... um, and it probably won't happen until 2021. Yeah. Because I don't think I'm going on the road until 2021. I have dates on my calendar for September and October. My November got canceled and I didn't book December yet. So I think I just, you know, I got lentils. I got rice. Uh, <laughs> my monthly costs are pretty low if I can stay, you know. And if I, and if I, and the Zoom shows, I'm doing, I'm like, pay whatever you can up, you know, around five bucks. If you've got five bucks, great. If you've got more than five bucks, that's really great. But if you don't have five bucks, give me a buck. And, um, and I'm, and I'm doing at least one show a week of just running the hour, right? Yeah. Like today I'm doing it with Kilmartin because we all want to hear what material she's doing after her mom died. Yeah. So. It's such an interesting time, you know, and I've talked to a lot of comics on here and some of them I've noticed are outperforming now. Um, I guess it kind of depends on what part of the country you're going to. Is that what would determine? Now, obviously, you, you're, you're, your position is you're just you don't want to go out and that's great. And I think that's smart. I agree with you. But, you know, I was just kind of Googling here while we were talking. And yes, DL did. He did test positive finally for it. That is so crazy. I just, it, we're in such a weird time, Jackie. It's yeah. hard to believe, you know, and I know as a comedian, you know, it's you, your lifestyle, your, your income is, is based on certain things. I was laid off for my job on Friday. I, my normal day job because 
they they just couldn't afford to keep my position anymore, which now I'm podcasting full time, you know, and thinking of other ways to have income come in. It's so bizarre, but smart on you, I think, for just kind of holding back a little bit. How has the experience been for you doing these Zoom shows? I've I've had people talk about it, but I haven't asked the question. I would love to hear how it's working for you as far as like running your new material and kind of how do you gauge responses from people and decide this joke works or not, or it needs to be punched up? Like, how does that, how does that part work? Well, I'll say this first of all about staying home. Every time I say that I'm going to either stay home or go on the road, I feel wrong, right? It's like, I can't, every decision to either go out on the road or to not go out on the road feels like the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It literally, I, you know, there isn't a scientist who is allowed to speak who's <laughs> telling me what to do for reals. So I'm at this point, I mean, I don't have to actually make that decision until um, I think August. Mm-hmm. I think August I have a Michigan gig and I don't, I don't know. I just don't know. But, um, and, and I'm so sorry about your job because I mean, that, that's what, I mean, that's what 33% of this country is doing right now. We're trying to figure out how to make money, you know, mm-hmm. some sort of lateral move. And, you know, we're all essentially go funding each other, right? Exactly. <laughs> because with, there's no, there's no fucking leadership. And, no, there's um, not. And so all we can do is help each other. And that's what I'm trying to do. And that's what, um, that's what I think people are doing for me. And I love, I love that. I mean, what people are doing is they're rising to help each other. And that is beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah. It is also criminally not what government was created for. No. Uh, because that's government was created as a backstop to support this sort of community when there is some sort of weird thing that happens. Um, the only thing that our government is truly prepared to handle is war. Weirdly, that is also a community problem government is in charge of. But um, so I will. T- okay. Uh, I thought I would get on that soapbox briefly, but just to say that I like that. I mean, that's, we're all just trying to make money laterally. Next topic, Zoom shows. Uh, yes, um, I started doing them probably two weeks, like literally two weeks after that March 14th. It might have even been less. If I don't do stand-up comedy at least two or three times a week, I'm insufferable. Sure. I am not fun to hang out with. I am twitchy as all hell. And I have two podcasts. You would think that it would be some sort of, speaking of lateral moves, that I would get some sort of catharsis from that. And I do. It bleeds off some of that energy. Um, and then people started doing like Instagram live. You know, you could you could see the panic in the eyes of the stand-up comics. Oh, God. I can't even begin to tell you. Yeah. Right? I mean, everyone was like, well, I could do something on Facebook Live. And you're like, you're not hearing the laughs. I don't know if you ever saw an after-school special about Freddie Prince killing himself uh, from 1979. It was called Can You Hear the Laughter? It was before I even knew anything about stand-up comedy. I saw this after-school special. And there is a shot in that after-school special that haunts me. And it is he is on stage and he's drugged up and, you know, and he's Freddie Prince, right? In the seventies. And he is a, he's a comedy store comic. And so he's standing there and you can, the, the way they have it shot is cheese ball after school special, but he's talking and you can see people laughing, but he can't hear it, man. He can't hear it. And, uh, so I don't like doing those shows that aren't, that are pushed from Zoom to Facebook, push to uh, or Instagram or 
YouTube or even Twitch, um, which is why when there's are those shows, the comics have to be the audience for each other, right? Mm-hmm. Which not anything we were bred for, right? No, no. I've heard that basically Chappelle has made comments about that. Burn, Glazer, all of these heavy hitters like yourself. And they go, it's like a brain surgeon walking into an his family room and turning on, you know, Chicago Med or whatever and saying, let me watch how this is done. That other comedians could either be the best or the worst audience when it comes to uh they perf- can be performance and, and or good i, I know, guess in it those depends early days, i did a couple of open mics and you'll be happy to know uh and you probably do know this is that open mics are just as bad as they've ever been oh yeah right not they're any still the pain in the ass that they are and they are you know and so and i you know if 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 i am asked to do a show like that and I say yes, I genuinely feel responsible to try to figure out if that's funny enough for me to laugh Mm -hmm. and to cut the world some slack and at least a short laugh, right? I don't know. But uh, but I've done, um, so the Zoom shows that I do are just Zoom shows. And whether it's, you know, I think the smallest one I did had six people. And uh, the biggest one I did was uh, the ones that were sold out that I was doing for my home club, Acme. Um, and I was doing those and those were two ninety. So, wow. So um, like a normal crowd for a club. Yeah. Arguably. I'm doing, I'm doing one at one o'clock today and, uh, there's 118 people signed up. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. It is great. I, I've gotten mixed reviews at Steve Burnon and we talked about it a little bit and he kind of is on the other side of that saying he enjoys being home. But at the same time, you know, he's also working on other things to prepare for when he can. John Reap was the same way. He wasn't sure if he was going to go out, but it looks like he has gone out now and performed locally, mostly in the South, I think, where it's kind of safer than, you know, where you or I might be on the flight somewhere. But I have to say, I applaud you. You're out of your mind if you think I would ever go to Mississippi. No, I know you wouldn't. (laughs) Just because I think Mississippi isn't safe. I mean, no one's wearing masks. Yeah, and they've, they, and they've had spikes. One of my brothers is a statistician, econ guy. Sure, and he's got spreadsheets for days, and he will not shut up with the numbers. And one of the numbers is where the spikes are. Anyway, but you don't need to hear it. Anyway, go ahead. No, no, you're fine. I, I think I, I appreciate the honesty and the candidness, you know, because I feel like that's what we need from folks like you who have this massive platform or who come on shows like mine and we talk about the things that matter because at the end of the day, you know, where I live, I was out yesterday doing some grocery shopping um, and there were, you know, it's mandatory to wear a mask and there were people who were getting turned away from the store because they didn't have a mask on and it turned out to be a really big thing, you know, there was some arguments between the customers and the store leadership. And finally, this lady, she just started coughing all over the people who were at the front door. And oh, they, just they just, to be a dick? yeah, just be dick. And they wound sure. up just letting her in because they didn't want to cause any issues on there. And eventually the police wound up coming. I, I was waiting and uh, for a friend who was in there and uh, she's like, why are the cops here? And I was like, well, some lady started coughing on the 
people at the store and they called the police to deal with her because they consider that to be a threat. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't know what's happening. But I, I feel like that this has just been a, an unfortunate thing. But um, I love watching what you've been doing on social media, your podcast that we can definitely, uh, I definitely want to talk about that, uh, Dork Forest Radio and uh, just all of this other content that you're creating. But I want to ask you, and I, I like to ask all the comics this, when when you're not performing, what do you like to watch? What makes what makes you laugh? What do you find to be entertaining as a comic? Or do you find anything funny? <laughs> I don't know. Everybody's well, different. Um weirdly enough, I don't I don't consume like because I see so much other stand up. Sure. Um by the way, I'm gonna back up and just say on the Zoom shows, so I've got like there's hundred and twenty people coming today. 20 of them will be unmuted um, so that I can hear the laughs. And that's how I can tell whether the jokes are working. Wow. Plus, I also put it on gallery view and I can actually see who's laughing and I can see who's doing their dishes. and uh, <laughs> Or putting on makeup or the bathroom, whatever. <laughs> right. And it's, you know what? These are not even the worst gigs I've ever done. I mean, if you've ever done a show in a laundromat where you call it a win if somebody stops folding their laundry for a second, um, that's, I mean, that's the... the that's the kind of, that's the feedback I need. The, you know, did I stop someone from folding their laundry enough to laugh at a joke that I just told? That's uh, that, that's a good joke. Anyway, so, um, so I don't actually consume, like I don't watch sitcoms and I don't watch, I mean, there are funny movies I watch, but sure. I actually don't go to, to movies if they're comedies. I mean, there's old, like I'll watch old comedies and I've seen buddy movies that are hilarious. I mean... Do you ever see Midnight Run? Yes, classic. It's one of it's one of the it's almost a perfect movie. It might even be a perfect movie. Um, I can't think of a bad scene in it. Uh, my the comparable the a movie that makes me laugh about that hard is a Sandra Bullock Melissa McCarthy buddy film that's that reminds me of Midnight Run, except for that it has a couple of flaws in it, but um, that tracheotomy scene could be removed at any time. Uh, the heat, <laughs> yes. I don't know if you ever saw The Heat. Yes. Um, but I will laugh. I will watch The Heat sometimes, and I will cry laugh. I will laugh so hard. And um, I will, the same with, um, like, some things that are just, the things that, you know, like, people watch Curb Your Enthusiasm because it's uncomfortable, and that makes them laugh. You know, that sort of shade, shade, uh Scheuden fraud. What the fuck? It's <laughs> I get it. Yeah, it's it's unnerving to watch it. Like or Black AF on Netflix. It's like, should I be laughing at this or not? You know, like well, no, it's super dark, and people love that sort of super mean, dark. You know, watch watch this uncomfortable. You know, all of Seinfeld. That was the entire you know twelve years of whatever that was. Right. And you know, it's the difference between a friend of mine said that uh, people who like Albert Brooks, it's the difference between liking. Um, mother and um, lost in America <laughs> is the difference between people who like Seinfeld and the people who like Friends. And I, you know, here's the thing: is is the stand-up comedy that I do, I think, is excellent, right? Yeah. I think it is smart. I think it is accessible, and I think it is unique. And and yet, the 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 popularity of stuff that is you you know mean and not that smart is fascinating to me i'm just today by the way uh <laughs> who knows what i'll think tomorrow but the um 
because I, uh, my fit, you know, like when I think of mean, funny comics, like Jesselnick, for example, like you're talking about that type. I'm thinking about when it's well done. I think of Jesselnick. Oh yeah. He is a master. It is smart. It is smart. There's, uh, there's also Mike Lauren who can do both mean and not mean. And, um, but always, always sharp as attack, you know? It isn't just, hey, fat chicks. And, uh, but there's also, hey, fat chicks. And then something so inviscerally, incredibly mean and funny that you're like, holy shit. But it's, um, it's weird to me. Like, when I watch stand up comedy, because that's the only thing, that's the only comedy I consume. And I don't watch it on television, I watch it live. You know, my favorite line is Emo Phillips. You want to see comedy live? This is an Emo Phillips joke. You want to see comedy live? Watching comedy on, watching stand-up on television is like incest, where you're giving up quality for convenience. Interesting. And he is not wrong. Uh, because, uh, like, I watched Chappelle's 846, or the, the thing with George Floyd. Yes. George Floyd number. And it was, it was, it was fascinating, but it was a TED Talk, you know? Oh, for sure. It was, uh, it was, he is a funny person and he is a great comic, but he had a week, you know, there's, that's why, that's why I do the Zoom shows is because almost every single one of my bits starts out as a freaking TED Talk. You know, it starts as a six minute bit that then gets weaseled down to three and a quarter with more punchlines and, and, and better and just tighter, you know? Yeah. You know, stand-up comedy is hard if you've got a soapbox. And that soapbox is sometimes bitches, man. What are you going to do? Uh, it doesn't matter what your soapbox is, whether it's or if it's trying to be too, you know, so inclusive that there's no punchlines in either case. Yeah, I thought what he did was interesting. But even when he's doing a normal special, you know, on Netflix or whatever, I still feel like it. there is a fine line there between comedy stand up versus like I don't want to say soapbox but just it's very thoughtful you know what I mean like it's just different than anything wrong with this, that, that the soapbox has been vilified so I, I think you're right to be wary of it but um but it it does to some extent sum it up like I have this new bit about how I mean there's there's how women are people right mm-hmm. and um and how my brother's are like, I treat you like a people. And I'm like, very close. So close. <laughs> um, but the, the, but all people, whether you're black or brown or gay or trans or women or men or anything, we're all just literally meat that have brains attached to them. And then the, the outer casing, the sausage casing is it. And so that's the only funny part of it that I think is even mildly funny is that I, that I think that we're meat with brains. And the, and, the, and the outside are just either meet with brains that you wish to fuck or meet with brains that you wish to not hire or meet with brains that you wish to never fuck. I mean, it's literally, <laughs> it's a weird, um, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a weird way to, to define people. And we would all like to be treated sort of like the gold standard of meet with brains, right? which is a straight white guy. Straight white guys get treated like people. That's the gold standard. And, and it's, and it doesn't mean that there aren't, you know, axes to grind and whatever. But the thing is, is a straight white guy will say to another straight white guy, I'm thinking about doing something. And the, his buddy will go, that's dumb. And the first guy will go, I'm going to do it anyway. And the second guy will go, all right, 
And that's the end of that conversation, mm-hmm. right? Agreed, hundred percent. Does it? A wo- you know, a woman says, "I'm going to do something," and a guy will say, "I'm not going to." Uh, that's dumb. She'll say, "I'm going to do it anyway," and he'll say, "What if I got four other straight white guys to tell you you couldn't?" And uh, you know, you're just like, if a if a guy makes a regrettable decision and is and it and it turns out poorly, his best friends never mention it. But if a a guy makes a regrettable decision and it's hilarious. His best friends never not mention it because it's funny. And that's right. all that's all the rest of us are looking for, right? Agreed. Yeah, that's a very good perspective. Wow, I had never heard it. You know what the- that is? Yeah. That's a perspective. It isn't a joke. That's the that's the pity of it. Because uh, <laughs> that's how big that image is. Mm-hmm, so it's huge. Well, we could end right there. <laughs> I think that's a lot to... Okay. Uh, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm oh. being sarcastic, like, in the sense <laughs> of, like, that's just, that's so thought-provoking. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so, I think yeah. there needs to be more right. of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, I feel like, is what's missing in some of this platform of comedy is, is there there's not a lot of real if that makes any sense and you i think is what makes you so unique in my opinion and so cool is that you come at things from a different angle than most people do right but yet you're it's funny in the the realm of the way that you're describing it but yet you're like well this is just a perspective you know what i'm saying so right i love it and i think that you know i i laugh i don't know if that's you know just out of uncomfortableness or or the fact that it's funny. And I think it's maybe a little bit of both because what you're saying is true. <laughs> right. Right. And, and and the thing about the, the, the truth being funny, like, you know, that old saying is that it's funny because it's true, is that the, the it's funny because it's true, but then also write some fucking punchlines. Right. <laughs> so, and there's, and there's more story to it and there's more punchlines to it, but it's, um, you know, as I work on, that's a brand new joke that I'm working on in, on Zoom, wow. which is the same, to some extent, the same 16 people for sure come and see every week. And so they are watching this joke tighten up like, like by millimeter, mm-hmm. you know, there might be, you know, you know how a joke works, right? I mean, you write the premise, right? you, you got, you got what, maybe one funny line, you tell that joke. And then, then, then 10,000 times later, you know, as, as you tell it, you, you tell the same punchline, same punchline, same punchline. And then you have what can be a leap, right? There's plateaus. And then you're like, holy shit, this other angle. And then all of a sudden you get three more punchlines. And so, I mean, hopefully it is entertaining for these 16 people who are giving me five to 20 bucks a show, uh, to, uh, to watch me. Maybe they want to see the plateau. Like I'm not recording any of this. The Zoom oh, stuff. you're not. No, I record. I've recorded a couple of the audios just because. What if I do hit a hit a thing and I need to go back? But I'm not releasing any of it, and I'm not. You know, I'm I'm not recording it so that people can watch it later, and. You know, and it's because who started one of the first people because Maria does it every week, too, though. Right now, she's just doing one on ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bamford, um, she was like one of the first people I knew doing Zoom, but that's because she doesn't care. I don't know if you you know about Maria Bamford and her coffee shop. I need to run my joke by you lifestyle. But, you know, I go on the road with her fairly often and she we would do joke machine and the longest and joke machine is just essentially 
you tell somebody, you tell another a bit, and then they, um, the only rule of joke machine is you can't say, why would you joke about that? Anyway, uh, <laughs> but, the, uh, <laughs> uh, the, um, but the, the, what you, what you give back besides attention and laughs if you, if you think it's funny is any sort of like the things you wonder about that joke, which can sometimes release that new angle. That's mm-hmm. what joke machine does. It, it sometimes tells you, well, what book were you reading while you were doing laps, right? Or what did your mom think about that? Or could you make, you know, essentially just giving someone another perspective. Anyway, so we've done that for decades, right? And so when she needed someone for her just to work on a set, she started just putting out on Twitter, does anyone want to meet me at a coffee shop? And then you will sit there and listen to me do an hour and I will buy you a biscuit or a trinket and a cup of coffee. And, um, and, uh, and then she tries to get someone who couldn't afford to go to come to the show. And she tries to get someone who doesn't seem creepy. And then she meets them in a public place and they spend an hour together and they had, and they get a photo and it's, it's pretty great. Yeah. She's great. She's great. Yeah, And that's kind of what zoom is, right? Mm hmm. In the way that um, you're just performing for the person on the screen in front of you. Yeah. So. Very smart. Very smart. I think I love Maria. She's fantastic. And her comedy is just hilarious. Um, I didn't know about the other part, but that's pretty smart to do that. I like that perspective. That's a different way of of, uh, working out material and probably a lot easier than trying to put up a show. to run new material and who wouldn't want to meet her. And I mean, she's an icon in the comedy world. So if given the opportunity, who wouldn't go meet her at a coffee shop? Right. Uh, right. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if you did that or I don't know, you pick anybody that's no. funny. Well, anyone could do it. I mean, the thing is, is, and, the, and Maria doesn't feel like she, she gets people to do this cause she's famous. She gets people to do it cause she's, cause she's funny. Right. 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 It's, it's not, it's not that. And it's, you know, whatever it's, um, but I love, I love her attitude toward the, toward the, she works so hard. Cause one of the things I think that she, that people, when they watch her stand up, they're like, Oh, she's scattered. I bet she wouldn't show up for the thing. Um, she is medicated. She's highly medicated, but she works harder than anybody I know. So sure, it seems like it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, she's just, she's classic. And, um, you know, she's definitely uh, one of these people that I look up to as far as what you do, because I find what you do and others so interesting. It's so, as many comics and whoever I've talked to, every time I wrap up the conversation, I feel like that I have just peeled one small layer off this thing of comedy. Because right. it's just, it's so, it's different than like you got television people, film people, whatever, right? You know, you get that world. It's very cut and dry as far as like how they do it, they go about it, you know, what kind of method they use to to make choices. But for you to go stand up in a laundromat or go to a coffee shop, I've heard people perform in strip clubs before. They go to strip club. I mean, the places that you guys go to get to the level that you're at is just remarkable in my opinion. And well, yeah, I mean, and the thing is, is it's, it's one of those things where you're like, well, you got to want it. And you're like, sort of, you got to want it. it. It's, 
that's true of anything. I mean, people who who don't who aren't performing right now, that's is that's just because they want to do something else, you know? Sure. And and that's okay. I mean, the people who say like like cuz there there's been some guff as far as like it's not real. <laughs> and you're like uh arguably the one nighter I did in Minot, North Dakota 20 years ago wasn't real. So, why don't we just calm down uh on what you think is real? And uh and all of it's real, you know? I mean, because Chappelle called what he did um stand up, it was stand up. Yes, 100%. You know? I don't have a, I don't have a problem. And he's so entertaining and charismatic and funny as a dude that I want, you know, if 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 he thinks that that 28 minutes was stand-up comedy, it was stand-up comedy. Uh, same with Nanette, same with me, same with, you know, I don't know, Ari Shafir, you know? Yeah, I mean, agreed. Nick DiPaolo, anybody who's, you know, I mean, if you think going on stage and being a button pusher is stand-up and the audience comes and they like it, I'm not... I'm not there to tell you it isn't. It, but all of this stuff, not, some of it's not for me, right? Sure. Like, Dice Clay isn't performing for me. He doesn't want me to like him because of the comedy he does. I am not performing for Nazis. They're not going to enjoy me. So I don't, I mean, I think that that's the beautiful thing about stand-up. It's like comic books. There's something for everyone. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's very true. And there's so much out there. And now with all of these streaming platforms from Netflix to Tubi to Hulu, I mean, good Lord. I had one last question for you as we wrap up here. I know we have a hard out and I just wanted to get a quick perspective from you on this. You started out as a comic, you were performing, you were doing all the gigs, and now you have gotten to where you're at and have achieved, you know, a certain level of success. From your perspective, if you can answer this, how has the industry changed from when you started and worked your way up, earned your badges of honor to now when somebody is starting out? Like, what are some of the differences I see, whether positive or negative? Well, I think, I mean, because of this, the, the, the sheer enormity of media, right? Where, where you can work on stuff and you can, you can get up. We've been in a comedy boom, in my, in my opinion, for 20 years. Like, ever since sort of a Comedy Central, maybe 30, but it's just like, I mean, the, there's, there's waves of such incredible new comics and they, and they create their own venues, right? Like the club system was what I came up in, right? where you had to MC, you had to hang out, you had to tolerate a lot of bullshit and then you would get booked and then you would not get booked and then you would get booked again, whatever. So, I mean, it was a little bit like stand-up comedy is shoveling sand against the water, but there's more in it now where you can sort of reinvent your venues. You can, you can, you know, when I think about Doug Stanhope in the nineties, just driving to one town after another, finding a place where a, where a, a bar, where a band would go up and say, Hey, I'm going to, uh, I mean, it's Wednesday, um, or he called up and he would say, maybe I could sell, you know, 50 tickets at 10 bucks a pop. You'll, you'll get the, you'll get the door. I mean, I'll get the door. You'll get the, the food and bev and I'll have $500. And he did that for years. And then it became a thing that I remember like James Adomian and Kyle Kinane and, you know, doing that in the South. And then I, and now Brandy Posey and Caitlin Gill, those guys do it. 
And so, and Tig Notaro and Chris Fairbanks were performing around the country in people's living rooms. You know, because of the internet, you could say, if I came to your house, <laughs> could I sleep at your house? <laughs> I would do a show. Could you pass the hat? I mean, so there is, there is just, you know, there's a, be- there's a beauty to the internet and, and the, and the community that is created through, you know, these gaming headsets and, and talking shit over each other over Call of Duty, right? Right. But there is also, you know, it's also harder. Like, there's two things that could happen that could be bad. One is you could be, you could blow up too fast, um, and then you don't have the content to sort of maintain it. Exactly. Like, I, I remember, I think Dane Cook was the first guy that I could think of that blew up too fast. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And it was, he was, he was a, he's a good comic, right? He did the job, but it was not, it didn't validate filling, you know, Madison Square Garden, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Right. He was a handsome young man who was a good comic. What he, uh, if it had taken him another 10 years, he might have had sort of a depth to have sustained that. And it isn't fair that people joke about the dude. It's, um, but it's but it's what happens when you blow up too fast and then you can't sustain it, right? Yeah, and I agree. Yeah, and then as always, and this has happened, you know, what for five, fifty, sixty thousand years, is power corrupts, right? I mean, when you have a fan base that is like, you can't be wrong. I mean, look at J.K. Rowling, right? J.K. Rowling wrote the Harry Potter book. Uh, by the fifth book, they they were so popular, they were. Ast- essentially done editing her. She got to write whatever she wanted for those last two books. And I don't know if you've read the Harry Potter series. Yes. Uh, the final book has about 200 pages of camping in it. And I, <laughs> every time that they would pop to them camping, I was like, this could have been one camping scene, maybe three. There's absolutely no need for me to camp with these people for months. Anyway, uh, but it was 700 pages. And then, so she she has given this this idea that she is not wrong, right? She cannot be edited. And so she, much like a comic, like Joe Rogan or or any of these guys who have this rabid fan base that is like, but he's always right. And you know what? The guy's right, what, 40%, maybe 60%? I don't know. I don't listen to it. But uh, all I hear is the stuff that he says that's dumb. All I hear about J.K. Rowling, I don't follow her either, though I've I've read the books religiously uh, many times, though I will tell you, camping book only once. Uh, <laughs> I I can't I can't emphasize enough how you have to keep some sort of perspective. You know, I have five, maybe five thousand, maybe eleven thousand hardcore fans. It isn't Mark Maron's fandom, but Mark Maron became popular when he was in his you know late forties. That guy. Has a, I mean, he's always been pretty egotistical, like you need to be with stand up, but he has some perspective, some humility, where he'll say dumb shit and then he will uh, either edit it out of the podcast, is what he did the last time I did the podcast with him. He just edited this thing out. When I listened to it afterwards, I was like, I wonder if he kept that. And he did not. He knew that it was dumb. You just you just have to have a sense of your own limitations. You don't want to limit yourself, but you're not God, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I you're, love it. You're not you're not going to be right all the time. And if you and and you'll notice, I just keep talking. That's what I'm like. 
I <laughs> I love it. You, I could talk to you for hours, my friend. I I love your perspective, and I think it's very spot on and very refreshing. But uh, See, and now I'm encouraged. But I will tell you this: is I do have to go. But um, I know, um, I know, I, we're wrapping up here, and I totally get it. But, uh, it. but but I but if but unchecked, I unless I check myself, unless I have real friends who can say, "Hey, hey, dummy, uh, that's actually super mean and hurtful. Uh, don't do that." <laughs> unless I have real people around me and a real perspective and a real sense of humility or any kind of humanity outside of my own head, I will eventually say something horrifying. <laughs> and uh, so I would encourage everyone uh, to sort of uh, check yourself. Agreed. Well, Jackie, thank you for taking time out on a Sunday to do this. Hey. I know you have other things to do. And thanks for being a part of the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. That brings today's episode to an end. Thanks for choosing to stop by and listen. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with a friend and hitting the subscribe button. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. Until next time, cheers. Today's episode of the Open Mic Podcast is brought to you by Cheap Seat Entertainment.